Hello and welcome everyone to the Go Live Gaming Podcast on the 23rd of August 2018. I'm your main host on this show and my name is Christian, also known as The Sag. With me today, I have more people than I did last time. Last time it was only me and James, but today I also have Josh, also known as Chromatism. Hello, yes, I'm back again, <laughs> finally. <laughs> it's Finally. It's been like two or three podcasts now that I've somehow managed to miss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it feels like me and James have been quite alone the, the last couple of times, so. We've been keeping know, each other warm and comfortable. Yeah, yeah, sort of. <laughs> and we also have, uh, uh, it does say Josh, Chromatism on stream just shouldn't be there. I thought I fixed that, <laughs> but we do have Patrick, also known as Raker. Hey man. No, I now identify as Josh. <laughs> <laughs> God, I've multiplied. What yeah, the two Joshes on the screen. That's just going to be confusing. That good, happens man. sometimes. Good, man. <laughs> Spontaneous <Yeah>. multiplication. <laughs> no, I think my hiatus was uh, about the same or even longer than uh, Josh's. Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. I, I guess what you were doing on your uh, hiatus was adapting yourself to become more like Josh. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> I don't need that. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So we also have Drainus, also known as James. Thank you for being back this time. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Josh, Patrick, nice to have you back, boys. Thank you. Nice Sarge, to see you again. <laughs> as always, it's a pleasure. Yeah. All right. So today we're going to talk about uh, Anthem again, sort of an inf- interview about Anthem. Not too much new about the game. We're still waiting on more um, interesting stuff. I, I, I was honestly hoping that we we're going to get more stuff from Gamescom, but that was, yeah, not really what I hoped it out to be. There was one interview, but it basically was a rehashing of all the other interviews that we've seen so far of the game. So. Yeah. 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 But we're going to talk about that nonetheless. E, before I go to the uh, actual part of the meaty part of the show, I'm just going to say that we're currently live on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Mixer. And if you don't have time to stay with us the entire show, then you're more than welcome to watch the VOD after this, or you can listen to the podcast on audio form on and in audio form on your favorite podcast app of choice on itunes on soundcloud on stitcher and basically everywhere you get your podcast also if you enjoy the show then please do the, the what our us older gamers do send an email we would like an email it's always fun with emails i think i prefer carrier pigeon <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm. we can probably Telegram. Say- we can probably set our uh, our own uh, Guns of Anthem carrier pigeon, or should, yes. should or should we go um, um, uh, Harry Potter style and go with owls instead? And I see. You know, I would have a vote for owls, but having a mecha javelin owl, no, that, yeah, yes, please, that'd be great. <laughs> mecha owl, yeah, yeah. I for yeah, one yeah, welcome yeah. on you, overlords. <laughs> I am for snail mail. Yeah, sure. We can send postcards. <laughs> Actually, get a man to run across the country with your letter. <laughs> yeah. I've got it. Throw your messages in the o- in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah p- please don't do that. Please don't run across cross country <laughs> with emails to us. That's just creepy. Uh, don't do that. Thank you. <laughs> 
Oh, well, where you are, you might get a bit wet as well, to be fair. I mean, <laughs> there could yeah. be a body of water in the way. Yeah, yeah. I, we have quite, quite a lot of rain here as well, so I think we've got basically the same weather here as you guys mm. have. It's, uh, it's yeah. not really the polar opposite of what we had before with the heat, but it's, it's something It's different. the British summer doing what the British summer does. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's off work. Excellent. Have some clouds. Have some rain. Have some general misery. Stop getting above your station. You're not in Ibiza. Yes, we don't have a exactly. climate. We just have cynical, sarcastic weather. <laughs> Get real, people. This isn't Mallorca. This is Blackpool. Is that where the uh, the British humour actually stems from? The weather. Oh, probably. I yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But it's great. I mean, it changes so often that in those awkward moments where you accidentally make eye contact with somebody on the street, you've always got something different to talk about. Apart from the last few weeks of hell where it's been nothing but heatwave. What can you do then? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets to a point where even the British are bored about talking about the weather. It's true. That's, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> no. No, not in, in Sweden. Like, uh, what you talk about with people at work is with the weather. After you talked about the weather, you have nothing. <laughs> you have awkward silence. Yeah, mm. you can say like, oh, "Well, my 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 kids got a cold." Yeah, that's about uh, it. Wow, that must be the weather. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, what we're going to talk about today is a interview uh, on Metro.cu.uk about Anthem. Uh, it was kind of an interesting uh, interview, a little bit of a different spin from what we've seen uh, uh, the other interviewers doing so far. Not entirely sure there's something that new, but he was pushing a little bit on different uh, subjects in a different way, which um, sort of shines light on things that I don't think we have had a straight-up answer before, which I kind of liked. So um, let's see what we're going to start with here. Uh, one thing that he mentioned that I actually hadn't thought about is the 3D movement uh, in anthem apparently that is something that game developers have always been quite wary about actually doing because uh, it's not that easy it's easier to just to do the the normal way where you walk uh, on ground and the 3d movement and having more axes to m move around on uh, vertical and uh, horizontal and up and down and all of that apparently takes quite a lot of time to nail if you want to do it right so uh, they talk about that, and um, basically they say, yeah, um, it, it was a struggle for us as well. It took a lot of time before we got it where we are now, because they also didn't want to make it feel too complex, which I th feel like if you are making sort of a flight sim, uh, it's probably easier in that sense just to try to mimic real-world uh, physics and mechanics on how flying works, but when you are making a game that's going to be feel more arcadey and t cater to a lot more people, then you need to make it feel a lot easier. Uh, and that's something that apparently they've uh, got quite spot on. Uh, from what I've seen, it's been really easy for a lot of people just to pick up a controller and start flying around. And yeah, so. Okay. Mm, yeah, I, I'm. 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 For one, I'm really positive that the control scheme actually feels quite solid already. Yeah, uh, I think it's an element of game design, just in general. That a lot of people only think about when it's not good, 
You yeah, know, it's one of those things that you take for granted until it's not good, and it's like, oh dear. And I can't remember. I, I have no idea who was the first video game developer to say it. I, I really don't know. But when in in video games, it's uh, a truism is that it's not it's not about you know the feeling of, how, of what happens when you shoot something, the feeling of what happens when you I don't know, kick or punch or do whatever it is. The mechanic of the game has got to do. Even if it's just dropping blocks down a screen, a la Tetris. It's yeah. movement in a video game is power. If the movement feels good, it feels good to play. I mean, uh, sure. You need the other bits to be good as well, but that is your that is your basis for that game. You know, if it's got yeah. any movement involved at all, it needs to be good. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. It really helps with the uh, suspension of disbelief, which is really important in movies and in games. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, it's basically that you need to believe that the things that are possible in this world are actually mm. possible. Like you can't think all the time, okay, this doesn't feel right. This shouldn't be possible. Uh, like you need to get be able to get immersed in that and actually feel like that could be a possible hmm. thing that happens. As anyone who's played GTA Five would have testify, if you movement <laughs> yeah. controls are crap, <laughs> then you're going to get frustrated and disenfranchised with it. Yeah. Um, but it's excellent to know that they've got that fundamental block down anyway. Yeah. 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 Certainly. Don't get the fundamentals right. You're never going to fly, are you? No, 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 you aren't. Pun not actually intended there. I mean, if you don't feel like an Iron Man crossed with the Terminator, then you're not in the Javelin, quite clearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but that, that is also uh, an interesting point. I'm uh, listening to a podcast called uh, Butterscotch Shenanigans, and they uh, recently talked about, in the last podcast episode, about movement and controls and uh, implementing that into a actual video game. And it's a lot different than you might think. You might think that you want to make it look, uh, you want to mimic reality as much as possible. And that's uh, actually been an issue with the screen uh, or screen motion capture technology that uh, actual human uh, movement doesn't necessarily need to look that natural in an actual game. So you also actually need to tweak that to become a little bit more flexi- flexible and all of that. It's something that um, you can see it's done very well in games like Overwatch, for example, or animated shorts or animated movies. They always exaggerate and those people look sort of like humans and move sort of like humans, but they always are a bit of an exaggeration uh, of actual human movement. In terms does, that, of does that sort of overcome the idea of the uncanny valley effect a bit perhaps? yeah 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 uh, i think it's a compensation for that it's just our brains sort of interpret that in a totally different way uh, so it makes more sense for us apparently for some reason to when it's a little bit more exaggerated when it looks a little bit more spaced out i don't know mm. so yeah that's the movement and um let's see so um, one thing that has been a reoccurring thing about Anthem is that everybody says, okay, so this is Bioware or EA's take on the Destiny approach of a game. Uh, it's going to be a Destiny clone uh, and blah, blah, blah. And we've talked about that. Yeah, it's probably more towards Warframe. That's something we've talked about before. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's sort of debunking the idea of making a Desti- Destiny clone here even more. So... And the question goes as follows. 
Uh, did you actively set out to create your own spin on Destiny? Or did the flying mechanic come first or, uh, or just the multiplayer aspect in general? Uh, the idea what we wanted to create came first. When we uh, started concepting Anthem, Destiny and The Division, these types of games hadn't been even been released. So Destiny and those games weren't even a thing when they started development on Destiny. I disagree. Monster Hunter has been out for years, but do carry on. <laughs> yeah, there's no obvious inspiration there. But when, when we're talking about Destiny, like Monster Hunter, uh, I guess you can sort of compare Monster Hunter more towards Warframe than Destiny, even if the, the, the comparisons yeah. are a little bit weird it, 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 to make. It is a looter of some description, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he continues, Really? Uh, they hadn't been talked about yet. This was five and a half years ago. And so we thought, look, we uh, know we want to build a social experience. We know we want it to be an open world that would have a higher degree of freedom and mobility. And we started building it from there. Knowing that that was the experience we wanted, we then decided what, what kind of setting would be most appropriate for it. And then we started layering down a story and characters on top of that. So uh, the one thing that you also can take from here is that when they wanted to make the game, they first and foremost wanted to make a open world with a high uh, agree, uh, degree of freedom and mobility. So sort of the movement system and the world was uh, the first key point that they're uh, building away from or using as a ground to work up from. Uh, which I wouldn't guess necessarily have been the case for Bioware games in the past. So, just an interesting. But you can't character. deny that throughout a game's development, they will the developers will take inspiration from what else is out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll yeah. look at examples of what's doing well. If they've got a mechanic in the game that's similar to a mechanic that's recently come out and has been absolutely slammed, yeah. They're not going to keep it. No, or at least no. not going to keep it in that state, are they? So yeah, there is. There's going to be a, a a level of. We thought about Anthem first. This was our baby first. We got there first. Nah, 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 nah. Mixed <laughs> yeah. with, you released that game first, and that bit did really well. So we want yeah. some of that. Yeah, but but the the thing is also is something that we're talking about in this uh, interview is that for some reason. Uh, it's not an uncommon thing that uh, developers start developing almost the same kind of game at the same time. Because, uh, let's be real, if, uh, if, you, if you take like the hype with Battle Royale, one of the things that is really hard is when PUBG was already out, you, people want to start making clones of PUBG. Uh, but developing a game like that actually takes years uh so that's an issue that like you can't really make a, a, as good competitor as you want to in that short of time to make it actually matter that much you basically need to have a product that already is uh, you're able to adapt to that format in order to get on that craze because if you start development yeah. when that craze uh, is on on its high uh, spike then you're probably going to miss it when the game is actually uh, released or well, when the game is out. To be yeah. fair, I, I do agree with you. Sorry, were you about to say something, James? Are you, no, uh, not okay. really. Um, 
<laughs> so I, I I agree. I don't know. I th- I think there are I think there are all manner of things that come into play at times like this, and I think it's easy to forget that he, nearly everything you know, the actual moments of true innovation when it comes to the history of human society as a whole, not just in video games. The fact that those moments are so are historically recorded and so easy to bring to mind should tell you just how amazing it is that those moments happen. And in gaming, we do have stuff like that. I mean, you know, I still remember Super Mario Brothers on the NES, and then we get Super Mario 64, which was kind of the defining moment in 3D platforming that other games took cues from. It wasn't the first 3D platformer, but it was the first one that got it right. Yeah. Um... And I was just th- I was just thinking about what you were saying then about when it seems like so many people come up with a, with a project at the same time. And I think, well, you know, I think there comes a point where we, you know, some of the best things that come out, and they might not be the most remembered things, but some of the best things that come out are things that have been are innovation. You know, sure, there's yeah. some new ideas in there, but it's innovation. And I think, you know, to use the um, Battle Royale as an example, I mean, we had uh, some interesting uh, stuff on... Uh, Armor 2? Was it Armor 2 or Armor 3? Where we, yeah, it was Armor 2, where we had the original sort of Battle Royale mod, and that was yeah. sort of based around, you know, so, some novels and whatnot, and Battle Royale, for crying out loud. And then we had Rust, yeah, and movie. so many other games. So, you know, PUBG didn't come out of nowhere. There, there, there was stuff before it, and I think when it comes yeah. to stuff like uh, Destiny, we had, we've had basically, we, we came through a period of um, Diablo and action RPGs, very heavily loot-based, uh, hack and slashes, and then we got into MMOs, which MMO did that right. That was wow. Why? Well, loot and progress and everything else. I think it was, I you know, I think the signs were there that people were going to want to make a shooter. I mean, we had Planet Side to begin with, but that was a straight up shooter. That didn't have the MMO elements, and that's the stuff that really hooks people in. So I think, you know, I think it is amazing when new projects come out at the same time. But I think it's also, I think there's also something to be said for the fact that no, there, we just have some really clever people innovating on what they're seeing in the industry and that thing is probably going to go in a pretty similar direction you know here and there yeah <laughs> that's all i gotta say i don't know if there's a point behind that but that, that yeah. was all i had to say <laughs> well, I, th- I think the point behind that is is basically that uh, as you were saying that the the point of concept of anthem uh, mm. the concept of destiny the concept of the division um that all may have ha- actually happened at a fairly similar time point, and then it, the natural progression of those titles through mm. the development phase has led them to the release dates that we've seen, yeah, and the associations that people make between them. That's yeah, right. thank you for thank you for finishing my point. I, I appreciate that. That yeah. was good. <laughs> yeah, there was one question I had. Um, they said uh, five years ago, uh, Destiny wasn't even talked about. When did the first game even come out? Uh, we can probably check that like out. Like, roughly. Google. <laughs> Google. <laughs> yeah, yep. Google Two is Googles. your friend. Destiny. As everybody furiously types. <laughs> the first game was released 2014, yeah. So oh, August 23rd, when <laughs> it went gold. Yeah, yeah so basically one, uh, one and a half years after development started on Anthem, Destiny was released. I thought it was older. Never mind. Then. No, yeah, no. <laughs> I get yeah. that feeling all the time. <laughs> when, when, just out of interest, when was Warframe? When, when, when was that released? Well, I say released, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, oh, twenty fifth of March, twenty thirteen. That came first. Good God. Oh, oh. 
That is a game that has developed or evolved, oh, evolved immensely yeah. since this release as well. Definitely. Yeah. All right, so I guess we can continue here. Um, of course, they need to address the Battlefront 2 debacle, so it goes as follows. But one of the industry-wide events that affected everyone is Battlefront 2. And it did seem as if things went very quiet with Anthem a few months after it was announced. As if some sort of development crisis or rethink had occurred. And again, there's no shame if you reacted to Battlefront 2's backlash in the way I'm implying. Uh, if you did, I'm glad you did. Uh, JV laughs. <laughs> uh, although I suppose you can just claim, oh, we were never going to do be evil, we chose not to be evil before even being evil was a thing. <laughs> um, and his replies goes as follows. We were cool even before that. No, I'll be super honest with you. And I think you can see this in our previous products. Like Mass Effect 3 multiplayer and Andromeda multiplayer, one of our baselines has always uh, been this feeling that we want to be generous towards our players. We never want you to regret spending money with us, and so our microtransaction plan was always to sell cosmetics. We never wanted to sell power. And so we developed a plan where we wanted these javelins to be ultra-customizable and feel like as we rolled out into a live service that players would want different things to decorate their javelins with and make themselves stand out and be cool. Um, yeah, and that was their gu guiding principle. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so he goes to follow, follows that up with, so loot boxes were never in the game. They were never in it. Well, I guess we'll never be able to tell now, uh, are we? That's true, that's true, mm -hmm. but no loot boxes were never part of our plan. Uh, and then he uh, confronts him about actually Mass Effect 3 having loot boxes with power in them uh, for the multiplayer component. Uh, and he... I guess I can uh, look what he sa says. Yeah, it was 3. We used a metaphor uh, of card packs for that. That is something that uh, <laughs> has been sort of a... I don't know. Instead of It's not loot boxes, it's card packs. But it's basically <laughs> the same thing. Uh, when you open a card pack, there's an element of randomness in those, and we wanted to move away from that and be just like, oh, look, here's cosmetics, and you want to buy these cosmetics. Uh, or if you want to earn them, you can earn everything in the game through just playing it. Playing it, uh, Or you can shortcut that and buy vanity items. So, yeah. So he's basically saying they didn't want to do what they did with Mass Effect 3. Which I kind of guess they did with Mass Effect Andromeda. Wasn't it? This, I think it was the, basically the same system in that multiplayer component where you could buy loot yeah. boxes with power. Pretty uh, much. It's, um, yeah, I, I, t I take slight issue with that part of the uh, interview, I must admit, because he kind of just set the guy up saying the most scripted line ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, to try and double back and, and say, well, actually, yeah, you know, Mass Effect 3, we did have loot boxes. And microtransactions, but it was all good humor, and it was cosmetic. No, actually, no, it wasn't cosmetic, was it? Oh, scrap that. Okay, well, we had we had loot boxes, we had microtransactions, but it was all okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're 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 going to continue to do okay stuff. Yeah, trust me. Yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah. The, the, that multiplayer really? component. Yeah, it was only PVE, so you guess I guess you could say that it doesn't hurt anyone if you buy power in that sense. Uh, but, but you're 
paying money for in-game currency to unlock more items, which changes gameplay that's not cosmetic. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, yeah. it's basically pay to win. It's pay to win in the. I, I really enjoyed Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. Absolutely loved it. Never paid a penny of microtransaction stuff, but that you know, that's just me. Um, <laughs> and as a result, which I still haven't got half the characters unlocked. But you know, yeah. are, are the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer servers even still running? I'm guessing it is. Not true. But basically, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda was the same thing. I actually enjoyed the Mass Effect 3 one more uh, because uh, even though Mass Effect Andromeda was quite. Uh, one of the things that uh, they have been sort of critically appraised for is the movement system and the combat in that game. And uh, I feel like the added mobility sort of made, moved away from that. I really love the, the little bit more stale combat of Mass Effect th 2 and 3. Uh, I didn't need the added mobility that we had in a drama, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, so... Yay, cover base shooting. But it felt good. It felt good, well, from, yeah. It was good. Uh, but I, uh, I'm on the exact same point as you. I think uh, the cover base shooting was uh, felt more fun, but uh, the implementation, uh, how they did it with Andromeda, was definitely, uh, technically speaking, pretty good. Yeah. But in the multiplayer aspect, that for me became something a little bit else just because of that added mobility, and it wasn't... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I never played <laughs> that multiplayer. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone out there still has Mass Effect 3 or wants to go back to Mass Effect 3 or Mass Effect Andromeda, those multiplayer components are actually quite fun. So, yeah. Uh, but they're actually, also un unbalanced. <laughs> yeah. Mm. There's a character that basically wrecks everything. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. But but that that's been a thing in both like they they have these uh, ultra rare secret uh, characters that are usually quite more powerful than anything else. And, uh, Which character are you talking about, Patrick? Gev Prime. Gev Prime uh, destroys every one hit KO the opponent can throw at you, so you can basically regen all your health uh, without any downside. <laughs> no, you can play as a geth prime in mass effect 3 multiplayer yes he has a shield absorbing move which refills his own health and uh, he can't be one hit <laughs> you can't be one hit ko'd by something like an atlas or uh, a cerberus assassin or something like that you're basically invincible <laughs> it's been a long time since i've played that then yeah I, I knew you could play as geth and my favorite character was the vulture but um i didn't realize it was a geth prime I really must have blocked that out of my memory. Yeah. I usually always played um, like uh, a Krogan and I specced everything in melee and I just ran around everywhere and just <laughs> knocked everyone to pieces. You could Warhammer so, Krogan. Yeah, you could do so much damage. You could basically run into a like, what are the the big mechs called for Atlas? For the, the Atlases. You could basically like two, um, two shot them on the easier difficulty. It was brilliant mm. uh, if you had maxed out your melee capabilities unfortunately was, that fun. character did fall down a bit at the higher difficulties because against the big dudes yeah, you yeah. just got it wasn't as effective but if you just want to have a fun time just messing everybody up that was really fun <laughs> at the lower difficulties mm. um, yeah, um and if i can just sort yeah. of jump back slightly but 
It's one of the one of my you know how we were just talking about the whole thing with loot boxes and then you know we roll back and it's a case of well yes these practices are still a bit naff but they're not as naff as that stuff. It seems that quite seriously to me seems to be like the modus operandi of the entire video game industry. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean it's like back in the day, well we had these awesome things called cheats in games that you unlocked with a code, or there was a special menu and it changed the skins of your characters, children. It was amazing. You could do stuff like big head mode. Change the gameplay. <laughs> oh, that's DLC now. Well, that's interesting. Okay, well, and then, then you know, so we now have bits and pieces that older gamers, myself included, we were used to getting on the on the disc and on the cartridge, so to speak. And it's like, um, for for example, the the advent of uh, basically, well, you know, we used to have expansion packs. Then we had DLC. Well, we then went through a period where DLC. Well, how how tiny a piece of DLC. Can we make this to you know before people start to complain about it? Oh, okay, yeah. we're going a bit far. Okay, well, we'll go back to slightly larger chunks of DLC. Well, what if we portioned out that game before we made it, and then we sold that as day one DLC? Oh, okay, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we won't do it quite, quite... Maybe we'll wait a couple of weeks. Oh, maybe we can make a season pass. And my point being is that they always take a few steps too far forward, and then they come back just a little bit. Oh, lesser two evils are okay, and then they go off in a slightly different direction again. Yeah. And uh, I think... I think, fortunately, this time around, perhaps with the loot box craze that kicked off, they perhaps have gone a bit too far to go back in that direction anytime soon. But yeah. as I was saying, uh, just just to mention Battlefield Five briefly, because there was that excellent video that was done, uh, you know, a little while ago. I can't think who the geniuses were who made that. <laughs> um, but one of the points, oh, it was me and Sam, <laughs> uh, that, <laughs> that was made in there was, um, you know, you're, when I first you're, heard you're so about the, you're so humble, man. Oh, no, thank you. I, I, you know, I just, I just can't bring myself to, uh, you know, big myself up too much. Anyway, uh, one of the things that, uh, uh, when I first heard about the company Soldiers Mode, that worried me slightly. I'm like, okay, but they've not got loot boxes. How do they monetize? Well, they could bring back some sort of subscription service. Perhaps. Don't think they're going to do that because they said it's going to be free. Well, what about character spaces? And then I've just heard today, you know, do you need more space for more characters in your company of soldiers to bring into the maps, etc.? And then I heard today about the Division 2, and apparently um, for the most engaged players in the community, you'll be able to spend extra money to unlock more storage space in the game. And it's a case of, well, that, that loot is the core mechanic of your game, and you're actually going to make people pay to get more of it. GG. But I am just, yeah. I'm just a little bit concerned that that's where we're going to be going with quite a few of these current iteration of looter games that are coming out lately, and that's, that's, a, bit, that's a bit naff. You know. Yeah. Yeah, like, if you're gonna hoodwink like that, I prefer a subscription. I prefer the hoodwinking to be upfront. I'd like to see it coming. I don't want. I don't want to have to be, have, to be, have it yeah. portioned out. You know. <laughs> but I feel like everything is moving more and more towards subscription-based services. Now we see like um, the uh, the Games Pass for Xbox and the, mm. the Premier thing with EA now. Um, and they're all usually pretty good value as well. Like, like if you're a uh, if you're an avid gamer uh, and you game a lot and you game regularly, they usually probably save you quite a lot of money. Uh, I'm guessing that if you're more of a casual gamer, um, probably buying a game here and there are is going to save you money. Uh, but yeah. it's the it's the sort of unstoppable change in the way that society is approaching these sorts of things. You, nobody buys anything now, yeah. As mm. as as an item, as an ownership, you you pay money now for um, 
for the ease of doing something i forget what the word's called convenience that's the word <laughs> you pay money for convenience now so yeah. it's like you know everything you don't buy phones do you 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 buy a monthly package mm. and you pay that you, you do the same with cars um plenty of people are now no longer buying a house because it's so expensive they'd rather just rent and have that as a, a monthly outgoing you've got furniture you've got electronics it's moving into games it's just this never-ending move towards you get to the point where you get paid and then pretty much all of that money immediately gets siphoned off to pay for the things that enable you to live your life for the next month and ironically yeah. you're paying more money that way ultimately than you are you know, if you if you had been able to have the capital to buy it up front, which is the mm-hmm. bit that, yeah, it's uh, it's curious. And I do wonder, all these subscription services coming out, more for the core gamers than for the casual, I do wonder if there'll come a saturation point where the companies are going to realise, well, we haven't actually got as many players and we haven't got as much revenue as we would like at this point, because there are only so many players going to have so many subscriptions. I don't, I'm just wondering if there's a point where it's a case of, well... I've got six subscriptions now. I really don't want another one. So, um, yeah, okay, well, let's just shove these off into the corner somewhere. You know, I don't know. I actually had something very similar to that when I was reading the release of EA's Premier uh, subscription that they've released recently. I was I was reading through it, and I was looking at what it gives you, and I thought to myself, I'm currently not even sure I'm getting 40 quid a month's worth out of Xbox Live yeah why do i want to start spending more money on ea premier when i've already got an outgoing for this and then i've got everything from steam and you know the switch and and all my other consoles and things i don't need another one right now no and you say oh well battlefield 5 is going to be on it and anthem's going to be on it okay two games that's what 80 quid 100 quid (laughs) yeah yeah, where they get me, which is quite cheeky, is their uh, early access uh, things, where you get access uh, earlier than anybody else. That is but something that I, I'm I'm quite silly about, and it matters to me. But yeah. um, like well, as a publisher, they reserve the right to be able to set their own release dates yeah. for the the content that they produce. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on the when it gives you early access to a game and then when the game comes out on full release and your progress in that game is not wiped. Yeah, but that, that, that's basically the thing. You get ex- uh, access to all the betas and you get uh, even earlier access to the actual full game release and whatnot. Mm. Uh, yeah. Like, I, 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 sh- I, shouldn't, I shouldn't care about a couple of days, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something special about being the pioneer or being one of the yeah, pioneers yeah, in the experience. It's, it's uh, I always like being a pioneer. I always look for something where I can be the first and try to make that a thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's it's really a new shiny, shiny, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really yeah. is. There's another part that annoys me a bit. Uh, normally, microtransactions or stuff like that is. Uh, supposed to be money for the longevity of the game maybe for more development and other costs that uh, exists but uh, when you have a subscription fee you already pay for the longevity of the games and of the company as a whole if they still have microtransactions drin, it's just kind of being even more greedy than they already are yeah. Would you rather, Patrick, that they offered you different levels of subscription pricing? dependent on the content 
So if, you if you yeah, if you could a subscription have a... and you yeah. would get some of those, let's say for the sake of argument, it's cosmetic stuff. You pay a higher subscription and you get all the cosmetic stuff access to it, or it Either releases that, over time, or uh, no extra cost at all. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> That's obvious. But mm -hmm. I think your model is way more sensible than charging a lot of small things for. A, a lot of things in general and that adds most of the times up to way more than you actually would have paid because mm. that's so the, I... that's the logical next step isn't it from having a subscription where you charge your players a monthly amount to access the games is that you then break that down and you give them different tiers of access and you bill it obviously as fact that they you know if they're not as heavy as you know um as is, is core gamers if they're more casual gamers they can pay less and you know they don't have to pay out as much when in reality what's going to happen is almost everyone's going to go for the top of the tier and you're going to get more money yeah they're probably going to have multiple tiers so one tier for the base game one tier for including dlcs and everything that comes after and another <laughs> tier for all, all the cosmetics yeah. And I'm not even going to get into how crap I think season passes actually are but anyway <laughs> they are they definitely are if we if we go into a subscription based um model and that becomes the norm um do you think that this is going to mean the death of any I mean like an actual final proper death of physical media and thereby the collector's edition I feel like the collector's edition is al already something that is becoming less and less of a thing uh, like a lot of recent games have uh, at least the physical rewards for collector edition have sort of been removed away. They have the di digital deluxe editions sort of now instead of that. At least that seems to be kind of a trend. And do you think that the games lately, I say games loosely here, but uh, do you think the collector's packs, which have not included the game, are steps to explore that very territory? You know, so you can actually have the memorabilia and the merchandise. Oh, but the game's not included. You buy that separately online. Yeah, yeah. Because that's part of the subscription package. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I don't like it, but it makes no. sense. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, in some ways, it's convenient to have subscription access. In some ways, it's not. Uh, like there's a there's a lot of ups and downs with that that thing, but I guess that's just only natural. Uh, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah, yeah, has another point for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah so about that interview. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Can I throw just a, a oh. quick one in? Yeah. yeah go for it. Sure. Uh, better Sonico. Uh, just uh, type that he, uh, he's been bothered by all the developers for Anthem leaving even though he was hyped before how do you guys feel about that does it impact your opinion on uh, anthem a lot or just just a tiny bit not really for me mainly because the majority of the development has already been completed yeah and people leaving now is not going to influence the game a huge amount because they physically don't have the time to make wholesale changes to the game um Plus, as we discussed this a bit in the pre in the last podcast, I believe, Sarge, when when you yeah. and me were talking, um, and we we talked a fair bit about actually the fact is a lot of people have been leaving Bioware, and they are long term 
staff members, long-term employees of Bioware. And they've sort of got to the point where they started Bioware when it was a small company and it was a small group of people making games for the love of making games. It's now a massive company with EA over the top of it, thousands of employees, and it's a business, a big corporation business. It's a completely different ethos and a completely different way of doing your day-to-day work. That doesn't work for some people. They want to go back to doing the simple stuff. Yeah, yeah. and that seems to be sort of a um, consensus among everyone who's left that they want to work on things that they they want to get more into the creative side of things. And I since think that they're the least corporate part of their, you know, of of all of their points of view, I think you're right. So I'm sorry, I beg your pardon to interrupt there. Yeah, I think you're quite right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. It might only be natural, like, one of them left and the other one gets, starts to think, like, yeah, maybe I should leave and do something else, and then one else, the other guy, another guy leaves, and yeah, then another guy leaves after that. I think it's just uh, natural that stuff like that happens. But yeah, for me, it raises sort of a red flag, because, yeah, it's that could potentially mean something. Mm. We don't know that until the game is actually released. But so far, um, what everybody has been said with the from how they, when they have played the demo and whatnot, everything seems very positive so far. So we have no real indications towards this that this is going to be like a huge. Yeah, my only uh, tiny, really tiny worry is just uh, that they don't want to be associated anymore because of uh, the yeah. battlefield train wreck, because uh, battlefront train wreck. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think that, that's coming. I don't. <laughs> I I don't think that is the like. There are Bioware. Uh, yeah, they're a company under EA, but they're not Dice. They're not the ones who developed. I don't they think. They used to have Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Company, of course, so. that that is probably going to yeah. leave some sour tastes or some bitter tastes in the people uh, who work over at Bioware. Uh, it's, that's, it's, I think the, one of the biggest problems with Mass Effect Andromeda is it was Bioware's name on the tag. It was not the same Bioware, <laughs> you know. It was a yeah. different, you know. It was a it, new Bioware studio. Yeah, yeah so. it was. The, it was the first development uh, of a new studio that hasn't hadn't done any, <laughs> uh, real own developments yeah. before. Uh, so that's also part part of it. But... Well, I, I hope we Easter his worries a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no there's no smoke without fire but it's not entirely clear that this is smoke so, <laughs> yeah. you know i think that's i think that's probably yeah yeah could just be a morning haze there you go it could be a bit of a, a, bit of a light fog yeah <laughs> All right, so we're going to continue a little bit with this interview. So he goes on and says, he talks a little bit about uh, Andromeda, actually. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I liked Andromeda in its entirety, but I did think that the movement system and the combat was very good, as we said before. And Mass Effect 3 had very good multiplayer. Was that also partly, partially inspiration that you looked at those games and wanted to try switching the focus from single player to multiplayer? Uh, and his answer goes as follows. You know, I think that if you look at the evolution of our games, we've started fiddling with multiplayer really back with Neverwinter Nights, where we allowed people to create modules, you could play it together, and then Mass Effect multiplayer and Dragon Age Inquisition multiplayer were kind of evolutions of that. And yeah, we did find that to be very interesting 
a very interesting experience and we thought yeah it would be great if we could have a, a more social experience in a bioware game and it didn't have to be this little side mode what if it was actually the game and that was definitely part of it and um yeah, that's one part. And we can actually go and uh, continue to the next question as well. The other question everyone asks uh, about Anthem is how bioware it is. Uh, and then he laughs. I understand that romance isn't part of the game. I don't want it to come across as one of those guys who marries in his DS or something. But uh, bioware can be a little bit Mills and Boone at times. But there wasn't... Uh, an earnestness and inclusiveness uh, to the romantic subplots that you do better than anyone else. But playing the demo, I'm not sure I really took uh, to any of the characters at first. So th this explanation I kind of really like, and this is something that I uh, wanted to hear before this, which, which I hadn't really gotten explained. With Anthem, we wanted to tell a story about a com companionship of heroes, and we wanted to widen our audience out, so we wanted to tell character-based stories that were more like Knights of the Old Republic, where they were engaging characters and there's no romance, but you feel a bond and a connection. And I think when it comes down to the bio-wariness of the game, it's being character-driven, with characters that you really want to get to know and a setting where you get to be the hero of your own story. Those are thing that, things that make a game bio-wary. And, you know, whether there's sexual romance or whether there's companionship, I think it's down to the story and the media. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just throw in a quick language question? What does Mills and Bones mean? Yeah, I, I think that's... I didn't really get the reference either. Do you, do... I don't even get that reference, so... Uh, Damn. Mills and... <laughs> Bioware can be a little bit Mills and Boone at times. Oh, Boone. Uh, yeah, okay. Mills and Boone. I don't really know. I'm pretty sure it's oh. too... Oh. Mills and Boone. It's it's romance fiction books and ebooks from Mills and Boone. So yeah. All right. All oh, right. okay. <laughs> All right. That makes sense. Um, How would he know what Mills and Boone is? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I did the thing about this. Let's see. I guess we could uh, actually um, first talk about the switch from uh, single player to multiplayer. That they actually. Uh, that he was actually spot on here, which didn't, we hadn't really heard on before. Like, they kind of like what they had with their previous games when it came to multiplayer, and they wanted to focus more on that with this game, and that's where Anthem came to life. Um, this is also, also something, this is something that they should have talked about before, making those uh, comparisons to lower titles and why this is evolution, a, a evolution from that. This is, I, I kind of like this explanation. Makes sense for me. What do you guys think? I think I agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Good. Um, one thing that uh, I guess we can move over to the next one, and also the comparison to Knights of the Old Republic uh, and the gameplay of the uh, play of that. Uh, the comparison. Let's be very clear. We're not talking about the MMO. <laughs> uh, I don't think, are we? I don't think we're talking about the MMO. Uh, MMO. Well, that was nice <laughs> MMO. Of the old Republic, was it? That was just the Old Republic. Star Wars: The Old Republic, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Knights Republic, of the Old Republic is is the yeah. the uh, single player Excellent experience. RPG. I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um. So 
it's nice that they're making this comparison because now they, we know where they took inspiration from how they wanted to build a single player aspect and the connection to characters uh, in a more substantial way, which we hadn't really had before either. So, and yeah, yeah I'm all aboard for like b- companionship of heroes rather than just like a sexual bond. I can, I can dig that as well. Doesn't need to be. Does the need to be uh, boning in my game? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, there was, you know, if you look at all of the characters in, in uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, I didn't want to sleep with any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, halfway Except... through, I'm sorry, my face is tired. <laughs> <laughs> my but... face is tired. Well, <laughs> that's just killed the mood, hasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> But that that is one of the only places where, like, I I never really get on the like, oh, that's so SJW like social justice warrior stuff. But with Mass Effect Andromeda, they really took in the critique of their characters being too beautiful, and they made them try <laughs> try to make them look uh, more normal, more, but. S- like they still... stuff their face with marshmallows. <laughs> yeah, I. Say, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I, I like. <laughs> a part of Ma- the Mass Effect universe was always like there were these characters that were, um, like really superhumans. Like one of the characters were really de- developed to be a superhuman, and she was really hot. Uh, I don't remember her name, Miranda. I think yeah, her she... name was Miranda. Oh. Miranda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, Miranda Lawson. Yeah. And she was actually developed to be a superhuman, so that makes sense that she was super hot. Uh, like, that makes sense. But then you have these new characters that, like, if you're going to have romance options, that is going to be a thing in your game. Then you need to be able to feel some sort of attraction to those characters. That just bothered me. Also, um, they had uh, unusual-looking people. For example, you could get into romance with Garrus. Yeah. He doesn't... Yeah, he is not <laughs> in our beauty standards, yeah. so what's the problem? Poor Rex, though. I mean, he was just that guy. That guy is beautiful. <laughs> Don't say anything I'm, otherwise. I mean, I mean, but if you look at all the characters in Mass Effect uh, One to Three, they're really well crafted, though. Even though they're yeah. aliens, and even though they're characters that you shouldn't feel are good looking or are, let's not say maybe attractive. But like Garrix, for example, like. As an example of his species, <laughs> but he was attractive <laughs> in that sense. God, I didn't know such. All right, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But if you compare him to... You've really been getting into the law, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, but that's just something I feel I like they take... fiction. Yeah, but... <laughs> okay. But I feel like that is something that they took in consideration with creating these, um, these characters. Like, every... Each and every one of them were sort of the the best of the best of what that uh, that species could offer in terms of strength, in terms of looks, in terms of abilities, in terms of whatever. Um, and that was really not taken into consideration with. Uh, Bet Rex had a massive dong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But on the point of, of companionship, I think. Uh, if you took the Romans out of uh, Mass Effect, for example, 
it doesn't really lose much. It no, loses it's a subplot, but the companionship very... is already great. It's, yeah, yeah. It's about, I mean, I know, I know they're all aliens, but dare I say, it is about the humanity of the piece rather than, you know, the, the characters have motives, they have flaws, they, you know, and there's something about them you can like. There's something about them you can relate to, even if they are an alien, you know, that yeah. they've got a past. And if they get something as genuine as the Citadel DLC with, uh, in, uh, mind of companionship, I think that would be, uh, just as great. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I do agree. Um, let's see if there's something. I could talk for hours about some of the characters in the original (laughs) Mass Effect, so I I won't. I will (laughs) stop now. You clearly have a lot to say about Rex, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, he's, he's all man. (laughs) <laughs> Except for the bits that are reptilian. Uh, yeah. We're just going to be some Iron Man dudes hanging out. <laughs> well, you could be hanging out with whoever you want, mate. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you just hang out with Rex. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll all be hanging out. Everything. Yeah, Everything. Uh, yeah. So, the, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually... Conversation d <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't actually, uh, in terms of what you said, I was actually trying to move the conversation further uh, back to the interview. Uh, but yeah, they're talking a little bit more about the javelins. Um, so I guess we could talk about this. Uh, I The question goes as follows. I had two menu concerns about the game at the moment, and that is first, that is the graphics are technically el- excellent. I do worry about the art direction seems rather generic. In the demo missions, the big robot looked like the Hulkbuster, the little one looked like Iron Man, and the monsters looked like something out of Starship Troopers. You uh, see a problem with this? I don't. <laughs> Carry on, sorry. Uh, no, me neither. Uh, and that's a little disconcerning for the debut look of the game. Uh, and he says, so, uh, I'm going to suggest, uh, I'm not suggesting your artists are untalented, but you see where I'm coming from. Um, and he answers as follows, no, no, I'm not taking it that way. I definitely see where you're coming from. I think the challenge as a creator, when you're making something new, the challenge is to make it r- relatively uh, individual. So yeah, we wanted to build a l- lot of it so that... Uh, through your own personalization and player agency, you bring a lot of that individuality into the game. And we wanted to bring in a lot of stuff that, while being new and kind of interesting, at least had a sense of of the familiar. So the narrow slice you took from these, take a look at, there is one aspect of it. I think that there's more variety in the game and I think you will be pleased. So, yeah, he asks, can you substantially change the look of the robots and whatnot and whatever? And yeah, we already know that that is going to be a huge part of the game. Uh, Customization and personalization. So we have customization in the first part with uh, actually getting new gear, new breastplates, new shoulder armor, new hand armor, new leg armor, new uh, head armor, whatever for your different javelins so that they will look different in a physical way. And then you have the personalization options with the uh, color, the painting, whatnot, uh, which makes the different javelins look personal in a totally different way. So uh, I'm guessing that in the end, a uh, let's say a Colossus, which is the big javelin game, uh, is going to look completely different from another Colossus uh, mm-hmm. just because of... Uh, the variety uh, of the different customization and um, uh, personalization options that are in the game. Mine's going to be bright pink. 
But, yeah. I, uh, but Sarge, I don't Very think that's uh, really what he meant. He later goes on uh, to uh, say, say something about Evangelion. And I think he meant if the personalization was uh, that you kind of look like you uh, are not... How, how should I phrase it? Um, that your mech looks different than uh, the game, if that makes sense. For for example, uh, they they all look. Uh, I I get that the um, the interviewer said they look a bit generic. I'm yeah. See, I'm on the same board. Uh, I I like the look, but uh, they do do seem uh, to be very basic in quotations in in their look. And I think he meant uh, something like if the normal mechs would look like uh, Gundam suits or Transformers, for example, if you can change the look of your own uh, javelin as much as look like a mech from Evangelion or something like that. Oh, yeah, I think that's uh, that was your point, wasn't it, Sarge? Am I, am I misreading? Yeah, yeah, that, that was sort of my point. Like, y you can change even armor pieces, which changes the uh, geometry of the suit, which makes it look quite different from the base suit that you can have. So, uh, if you want to try to uh, customize your javel javelin towards something that is uh, a little bit more to something in uh, Evangelion, for example, I think that's quite possible. Uh, we're just gonna have to see if you you need to change those parts out in order to get an upgrade, or maybe you can have something like the transmog system in um, in World of Warcraft, where you can just take the appearances and then slap on some other stats on them. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, because I believe it's more like an Iron Man thing, for example, with all his different suits. They all have the same idea, maybe even different geometry, like yeah. uh, Hulkbuster to this. But they all have still the same uh, design integrity. Yeah, and I, 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 I guess I know what you what you mean now. So no, there's probably not going to be like a transformer aspect to them, uh, where they uh, change in that way. I think the the, the base is going to be yeah. quite the same, but you probably going to have make them or be able to make them look uh, widely different in the end. Uh, They're going to have a similar silhouette. Yeah, you'll be able to vary how they look. You know, yours will look different to something else's. I yeah. think that's what we're trying to say, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, so the yeah. Colossus is the Colossus is still going to be huge. The the uh, the um, like the storm is still going to be slim. The uh, other javelins are the, what is it called the uh, the interceptor is still going to be slim, and the ran ranger is still going to be somewhere in the middle. That is always going to be the case. But you're probably going to make be able to make them look wildly different from the original. Yeah, and the, the, the sheer complexity that is required or is involved in enabling something like the Colossus to turn into something that looks more like the Ranger and vice versa is quite extreme. Um, yeah, you know, and it also doesn't really make sense with the uh, if they would go that approach because they already have said that they have weapons that are specific to the different uh, javelins, mm -hmm. and uh, like if you make the Colossus look a lot more slim and uh, it loses a lot of weight, then it doesn't really make sense that it can use these huge, big, powerful weapons <laughs> that it's supposed to be able to use. So, this was, by the way, not what I meant. <laughs> no, no I, I, I get you. I get you. Uh, <laughs> Just to clear that up. Yeah, yeah. Can I, I can I play devil's advocate on uh, some of these uh, points quickly with the point about the 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 environment and the suits being generic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything that 
I've seen from Anthem so far, you could probably say has been generic. There's been a HUD that's been familiar. The characters and the classes are relatively familiar. The environment actually, whilst not hugely generic, could be classed as generic because it's not necessarily what you see when you look out the window. Um, (laughs) But it's very atypical of a sort of a fantasy setting. Um, The combat that we've seen has been, whilst looking very polished, um, has not necessarily shouted out to me of doing anything that we haven't seen combats do before. And it sort of branches out into the whole of the Anthem game being safe, being a safe play. It'd be a fantastic game, story with amazing comedies and everything, but it's safe. But I, 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 I get all of those components sort of they they slot into that, and so having characters that look generic or an environment that looks generic, actually, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, They can branch out later, can't they? Precisely, if they want to bring in DLCs, if they want to go absolutely nuts with a particular faction, they can do that. But they've what they're doing is they're putting down the basis of a game and a universe that allows them to do what they want mm-hmm. later but they're one which everyone can jump into and immediately know what it is they need to do yeah yeah i, I agree and i th- i feel like when they s- to go back uh, to the argument of uh, this actually uh, being developed before even destiny and uh, those games uh, alike were even a thing back then i feel like the concepts and the art and all of that was a little bit more on the wild side than it is now. Because now we have already gotten the taste of all of this stuff. We have all these Iron Man movies, we have Destiny, we have different um, games that are quite similar. So we're already familiar with the concepts they're trying to sell us here. So that I feel is also something that at least moves me towards the conclusions that, yeah, it feels a little bit more safe. Um, But yeah. So the overriding point there being that I don't necessarily see a problem with that. No, yeah. no. And uh, the, the generic look of the javelins as base javelins, as the javelins that you have in the beginning, I feel like that is a, just a good framework to <laughs> create your own customization and personalization from. So I'm I'm not really worried about that. I don't. I would no. like to have a skin where I can paint on a three-piece suit onto the outside of my Colossus. I would like a personalization skin where my Colossus looks like he's wearing a suit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the classy Colossus. With a tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, suit with a tie. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Yes. Or bow tie. <laughs> and a ticket. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you just want the bow tie to go with your pink, you know, your pink suit and your pink bow tie. <laughs> oh, mate. I also want to have a massive hat with a great big peacock feather in it and a cane <laughs> that's got a gold top. And I'm going to be a the Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> and all the other uh, teammates that you have on your team need to look very sluty. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I want to see the interceptor wearing a bikini. <laughs> oh, we need a monocle as well. Don't forget the monocle. Yeah, the monocle is important. <laughs> uh, all right. So there's more that we can take from uh, this article, I guess. Not too much more. We've discovered or talked about the uh, the the biggest pointers here. Uh, they go on and talk a little bit more about Star Wars. Not 
that much, but a little bit about Star Wars and whatnot. So metro.co.uk and search about uh, or search for Anthem if you want to continue continue reading this article. It's getting hard for me to speak now after speaking for above an hour. It's it's my limit. It's my limit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're gonna move over to the last segment of the show before we go and say goodbye for today. And let's make it up. Thank you for tuning in to the Go Live Gaming Podcast, everybody. <laughs> that was such. And the last segment of the show, we talk about. In the last segment of the show, we talk about stuff that you can do until the next part uh, or the next episode of the show <laughs> that goes live. Mm, yes. Mm, yes. All right. So, uh, as I said, we're going to give you some suggestions. And I want to start with uh, Mr. James. Do you have something for us? A Mr. James. Mr. James. Um, didn't get a chance to bring it up last week because it wasn't out. But uh, for the for the Xbox fans amongst you, For Honor has been released on Xbox Gold. So if you do not oh. have For Honor, you can download it for free. It is there. It is ready and available. So have you have you played it some? Uh, I have not played it on Xbox. All right, but you you played it before. Yes. All right. Cool. Good. Interesting. Nice. And Josh I had good fun doing it. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm trying to think what new and shiny things my, my, my mind has been drawn to. <laughs> what have you been and... doing since last time you were on the show? <laughs> well, you have actually, something for if us? I'm going to be perfectly honest, Monster Hunter. I might have jumped back into it and it might have consumed my soul. Have you played uh, it on again. PC? Yeah, it's out on PC. It's actually out on PC. Now, the, uh, that does come with a caveat. Um, have you played which it? Which is that currently... Steam has changed the way its friends list actually works because now we have it where oh. we can access the friends list online. So it's kind of changed the Steam works. Whatever it is, I'm using the wrong terminology, but it's changed the Steam API. Apparently Capcom were involved with this. Capcom did not bother to change. They thought their in-game uh, multiplayer system would be fantastic. It's broken. So until um, you can do some simple fixes to get around it. But what I would say is that currently Monster Hunter on the PC has gone as a, some mixed press, shall we say. Look at it, I urge you, once Capcom, and they are working on the patch, has fixed it. Um, and I would say then that if you're on the PC and you've never played Monster Hunter before, it's a fantastic jumping on point, and I highly recommend it. That actually uh, that, that actually sounds uh, quite excellent, because uh, I don't have the time or the money to get, jump into the game right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's an excellent time not to be able to play it, I agree, because yeah, it's a very yeah, funny yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, I really want also, to play the game, but it's nice to see that it has issues that it needs to solve before I'm going to be able to play it. So, yeah. <laughs> Can you think that time will come? <laughs> Are you sure about that? I don't know. I, don't know, I will see. I might, might drag you on at some point. Just yeah. But uh, the other thing is, is that uh, Deep Rock Galactic, which has been mentioned several times now, um, continues to be updated and is still excellent. So, again, highly recommend investing some of your time into it if you have the people to play it with. Really, really good fun. Excellent. 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 <laughs> um, Patrick, my man, do we have something for? Yes, we have. Uh, Netflix uh, based, uh, or not based, uh, anime that's uh, also on Netflix, uh, currently airing the second season. It's The Disastrous Life of Psyche K. 
it it's a picture on Netflix may scare you off because it's a boy with pink hair and weird things sticking out of his head, but just give it a try. It's about a a, a guy who's a psychic uh, and uh, apparently the only psychic in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just wants to live a normal life. He has uh, uh, powers like uh, reading minds, uh, telekinesis, pyrokinesis, and uh, stuff like that. But he tries to uh, refrain from using it unless it's necessary. And it's uh, kind of like uh, in one episode, there are three short stories, but they uh, have a narrative that's driven throughout the whole series. And uh, I didn't think that this concept would interest me or even entertain me, but it's a really good comedic show. It uh, has a lot of characters into it. It's, it's written like uh, with a sitcom place in mind. So they made the characters and the jokes are funny because the characters have chemistry. And I uh, can definitely recommend it for a a casual watch. So you can turn it on every time without really losing uh, the narrative when you are maybe taking some time off the anime. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. All right. So uh, what I've been doing instead of Monster Hunter World, is I've been playing World of Warcraft Battle for Azeroth. And uh, I can actually really recommend it. It's uh, They've done a lo- lot of quality of life improvements of the game. If you want to get into it and you haven't really been that big of a World of Warcraft player before, you do not even need to buy the base game anymore. You All you need is a subscription uh, of the game, which hmm. uh, is about 15 dollars i think if you're going to use us dollars for some reason i think that is about where the monthly subscription fee is if you want to um sub for more months at a time it's going to be cheaper for each month each month that's usually where where it goes so you only need a subscription and you need the latest ex- expansion in order to get into uh battle for Azeroth. and while you get Battle for Azeroth, you actually get a boost to 110, which uh, was the last expansion's uh, level cap, so that you get started at the where the new expansion actually starts. So you don't have to play from level 1 to level 120, because that oh is going God. to take a lot of time. <laughs> A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time. And if you're new to the game, uh, that old content can be off-putting because it's still not of all of it has been revamped or reworked or polished and whatnot, and it can look quite old. But this new expansion looks amazing. It's 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 a wondrous feat what they can do with that old engine and actually make it look uh, as good as it actually is. And me being a World of Warcraft lore nerd. This game is um, it's it's amazing for me in in that sense as well. Um, it's a really uh, heavy focus on story and lore this time around, which they really haven't mm. had before. Before they were more mechanic uh, focused. But that's, uh, that's interesting, Sasha. Yeah, because one of one of my big problems with Warcraft has always been that I've really enjoyed the lore, which has actually been quite dark and gritty, and then it's not yeah. presented in game, and it's this happy fun time cartoon world. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, and I can I can say that it's a lot of dark and gritty in this one. Right. So um okay. yeah, that might be something mm. for you as well. 
So uh, if you ever try, wanted to try out World of Warcraft, this is an excellent time. It doesn't cost you uh, nearly as, as much as it did before to catch up. Uh, and you also have the boost that you get w with the expansion so that you can start with new content directly. There's a lot of different videos out there if you want to catch up on the main story points before this expansion, like the main characters and the main um, like uh, events that are affecting the current part of the world. Like, <laughs> uh, one thing, if you knew anything about the last expansion, Legion, you know that this expansion has some parts where, the, like we talked about the uh, suspension of disbelief before, it's a little bit weird, because in the last expansion they were fighting uh, basically alien demons on another planet, and they had spaceships that shoot big lasers <laughs> and whatnot, and uh, they could teleport and uh, all of that stuff. And, Sounds uh, like medieval fantasy. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, uh, suddenly those technologies and all of that isn't available anymore. Suddenly they d just don't exist, so everybody has to do it an old-fashioned way. Oh. Which is, yeah, I, I mean, they're just doing it because it makes more sense for the story and what do they want to tell, but it's still, like, if you play the last expansion, it's, it's a little bit weird. Do I still have my tenderly-faced goat people? Uh, depends on who, who the tenderly Drenai. Goes. The, 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's all right then. <laughs> you do have those. You even have a new um, version of those called Light Forged Drenai. So, oh, oh my, okay. They're even more goody two-shoes than the, uh, the the race were before. So. That is a bit <laughs> disgusting, the goody two-shoes, actually. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. a bit much, probably. Yeah. Me, me, me being a horde... That's party policeman, that is. Yeah, me being a horde player, there's a lot of... Like you, no. dead drain eye. Oh, I must yeah. admit, my main yeah. was a troll. My main was a troll. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. So, you know, it's fine. Yeah, and they're introducing it more. Be a Tauren. Yeah, they're introducing more uh, races now. They're gonna go um, introduce Sandalari trolls, which are upright trolls, which look really beefy, and uh, uh, really also. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> but they're also going to introduce the original orc races that were on the original orc planet before the they were tainted. So oh, no green orcs, mm. the brown orcs. Yeah, mm. exactly. I always thought they were red. No, not in World of Warcraft. Yeah, they are red orcs. Well, the brown. In, in no, the no, there are actual red orcs. If they got tainted by demon blood after they got infected by fell. Wow, you just got outlawed. <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Warcraft Three. Uh, I don't know if it's it, in yeah, World in of Warcraft itself. Well, that's that's true. In Burning Crusade, also uh, there were um, uh, red orcs. You got yeah, that. because because Garish Hellscream was one of the red orcs. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Just lost. Can I just finish this by saying that Brownie Forty Eight has just chimed in on the Twitch chat and said. It don't make sense going to heaven with the goody goodies. I'm assuming he means Lightforged Draenei, and I agree. If you're going to heaven with the party police, is it really heaven? True. <laughs> Philosophical question there. <laughs> On a the last note, I like what they're doing with the light, which has always been the good force. Now it's a little bit more questionable. They're moving towards a little bit more questionable area if it's really a good force or not. Just light saying. is comprised of all colors after all. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> On that sentence, that is where we're going to leave you for this time around. You can you can probably make a like a 
bro broad reel or whatever it's called when you uh, make those like you have a quote on the wall with like yeah whatever yeah uh, with what josh said a, a quote of the day yeah okay, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah all right so <laughs> Thank you. Let's see here. Um, I, I can't forget saying that uh, if you want to contact, contact us or uh, say, leave a question that we can talk about on the show or whatever, whatever then leave us an email at feedback at Um Also, if you missed the show and want to see it again uh, when it's not live, then the VOD will be up on the YouTube channel after this and the audio version will be up this Saturday uh, on all uh, podcast platforms that you can think of so itunes soundcloud stitcher your podcast app of choice whatever it's going to be there probably if you're not using something really weird then it's probably not going to be there but yeah so thank you goodbye bye bye everybody bye. Bye. <laughs> goodbye <laughs>